This is Joel Johnson, Senior Minister at Parkview Christian Church. I want to thank you for listening to our sermons online. If you have any questions, feel free to contact me by email at joeljohnson at parkviewfinley.org. Good morning. Uh, my name is Jonah Gillespie. For those of you who may not know who I am, and I am the Children's Minister at Parkview, you've probably seen me milling around in the uh, foyer when you get here in the mornings, and then probably wonder what that guy does, because I never ever see him anywhere else, and that's because I'm upstairs with the kids, and I love spending time with them up there. And so this week I'm filling in and uh, sharing the message with you guys, and I'm excited to do that. So uh, today I want to start off by asking a question, what is success? And I think for a lot of us, we've seen success uh, played out as the American dream, right? Finding that goal, that passion, that thing that you want to pursue, that you're willing to give everything for. And we've seen time and time again, people who have achieved that dream, and they sacrifice so much along the way. And then when they get to the top, they look back and they realize the things that they've missed out on or the things that they sacrificed at the altar of success are the things that they most desire to have back in their life, but they can never buy it or get it back, right? I, I remember my last semester in Bible college and a buddy of my, a buddy and myself were sitting down for lunch at Chipotle and he looked at me and he said, so Jonah, what kind of church are you looking to hire you uh, when we graduate? And I jokingly said, any place that will hire me, right? I, I'm not picky, right? His response was a lot different than mine. He goes, I'm not even going to look at a place if their attendance is less than 400 people. Not going to happen. And then his next question was, what do you need to accomplish to consider yourself successful in ministry? And I didn't really have a plan or a thought of what that looked like because to me, success in ministry was the impact that I make on people's lives, whether that's bringing them to Christ or strengthening them in their relationships, serving them physically or spiritually. And his response was different than mine. He wanted to work at a church of a thousand people or more. That was the goal. To write books and to be a, a national speaker. And I don't think there's anything wrong uh, with those goals, but I don't know if that's how God sees us as Christians and that being a way of success. I think God's way of looking at success is a lot different than the way the world sees success. I think of Noah, right, a guy who built this ark. And while he's building this ark, people are really confused about why he's doing what he's doing. It's taking him decades to build this thing. And all the time he's telling them, this thing's coming and you need to change. You need to follow God and spare yourself, right? And for decades, nobody listens. And I'm sure in those moments, he probably felt like a failure, like he wasn't living up to the thing that God had called him to do. But when we look, at, look on his story, we see that he was a success. Or take Jeremiah, a prophet who spoke to the people and nobody listened. And for years, he was God's mouthpiece and nobody listened. But yet, we have his written words that we get to read and to see the warnings and to listen to. And in his lifespan, he probably didn't look all that successful but to us, we have his words, and his words live on forever. That is success. So somehow, we've taken success, the world's idea of success, and God's idea of success, and we've tried to maybe blend them together, and we've lost what is truly successful in God's eyes. And I think Paul does a good job talking about what a successful life looks like here in Romans chapter 12. So let's get started. 
Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. And this is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Paul starts off with, because of mercy. And I think that's a big deal because God offers us mercy that we don't deserve. Yet he gives it to us freely. And because of that gift, we need to do what we can for God, to give him our lives as much as we can because of that great gift that he has given us. I think we, and this includes myself, sometimes we forget how much God detests sin. Right? And all we have to do is read the first few chapters of the Bible. You start off in Genesis, and God is resting after finishing his creation. He's looking at its goodness and its beauty, and he's taking it in, and he loves what he's created, this perfect, sinless world. But in chapter 3, sin has already entered the world. It's already messed everything up, and God has to curse his creation. He no longer walks and talks and interacts with his creation. He has to remove himself from creation because of the sin. God hates sin, but yet he still gives us his love and his mercy. And there's nothing, we can't work hard enough to repay that gift or to earn that gift. God gives it to us freely. And because of that, we need to give him all of who we are. We need to be living as a living sacrifice to what the world says we should be doing and giving everything we can to God. Paul wants us to conform, but not to the things that are the easiest for us to conform to. The world's version of sacrifice is to sacrifice family for more time at the office so that the right bosses might notice that you're there and give you that promotion that you desire. But what happens when we achieve that success and we look around and we have nobody left to share it with? The world's version of sacrifices and identity in the sports or a team, or being an influencer. But what happens when those plans don't come through or that season in our life ends and we're left not having an identity? We don't have something that we can call who we are anymore. Conforming to this world is a very dangerous and deadly game. It's void of God and his mercy. It's putting stuff and success over who God has called us to be. And when the stuff fades away and the success we've achieved, we find out that we're still hollow on the inside. And we've seen successful business people and athletes and entertainers who realize this and they realize that they have this void inside and so they begin to try to fill it with whatever they can find, whether that's substances or relationships or using people to try to fill that void. Paul's telling us, to fill that void, you have to renew your mind. That identity, that success can only be found in living a life for God. So we need to change our thinking from the thinking that sacrifice of family is worth the goal to knowing that family is one of the greatest commodities that God can give us. It's the thinking that building skills and relationships on a team 
is better than building relationships in our faith community that will help deepen our relationship with God. We have to hand everything over to God to achieve this renewing of our minds, to find success in him. And I believe that's why Jesus said the most important commandment is to love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. Because if we give God those things, we are giving him all of us. We are giving him everything. And if we give everything to him and we let him do with it what he wants, there's nothing left of us to stand in his way. So Paul concludes the first two verses here uh, with God's good and perfect will. And I don't think God's good and perfect will always looks the way that we think it should look. And it doesn't always go the way that we think it should go, right? And in the world's eyes, success is you always get what you want, right? You achieve that goal. You ask for it and you get it. But if we look deep into the history of the Israelite people, we see that their greatest time periods, the greatest parts of their history have come right after some of the worst things that they've gone through. When we look at Jeremiah, he's writing about a time to the Israelites in a time after, while they've been in exile and in slavery, they've been out of God's favor. They're experiencing pain and hardship. And yet he writes this, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. See, God's will, good and perfect will, has peaks and it has valleys, right? The valleys remind us of God's faithfulness and goodness. When we're in those low times, we need that reminder to know that God's got a plan and a purpose for all of this, and he's gonna carry me through, and when I get out, I'm gonna see what it's all about. That's gonna give us peace and comfort. Paul knew this. Paul was a man who was imprisoned. People were making attempts on his life on a regular basis, some to the even point where they thought that when they left him, he was dead, right? He had to sneak out of cities in the middle of the night. He was shipwrecked. He was snake bitten. If we were to look at him, we'd probably go, it doesn't look like he's much of a success. He's not doing what God has called him to do, right? We would say he's in all valleys and no peaks. I mean, he's not got anything to give him hope to come back out and to see. But regardless of where Paul was at in the arcs of his life, he knew that God was going to be faithful, that good, God's good and perfect plan was behind all of it. And I think that's exactly why he wrote Philippians 4, verses 11 through 13. I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all of this through him who gives me strength. Paul knew where his success was. He knew who was going to carry him through the peaks and the valleys. He had renewed his mind to see what success and what living for God was all about. Everything in our lives, God can use. The triumphs and the tragedies, the pain, the joy, the happiness and the sadness. If we allow him in our lives, he can do that for us. And when we do that, the world will see God moving in our lives differently than other people. 
They will see our peace when others don't have it. They will see our comfort in the uncomfortable. And they will begin to ask questions. What makes you different? How do you have peace right now? How do you have comfort right now? And that's a perfect time for us to share with them who gives us that peace, who gives us that comfort, and that they can also have that in their lives. We live in a very me-first world. We have this very entitled mindset, and it makes it hard for us to carry out a large portion of who God has called us to be, and that is a servant to all. So Paul moves the discussion from sacrifice to service here in Romans chapter 12, verses 3 through 8. For the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body and many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Humbleness is an important attribute, and I think it's one that we see disappearing rapidly in our world today. I just scroll through social media or media content, and you'll see people making entitled claims to things that they aren't really entitled to. You'll see them sticking to an opinion that has been debunked and is clearly wrong, but they're going to stick with their opinion. A lack of humbleness leads us to think that I am always right and you are always wrong. A lack of humbleness prevents us from putting ourselves in somebody else's shoes and seeing the world from their vantage point. Renewing our minds and having humbleness leads us to seeing and appreciating the skills and gifts in others. And this allows us to work together to change the world. Our children here at Parkview are aware of the differences in our skills. So my wife, Ashley, on occasion will be over here singing uh, down here with you guys and leading worship here. And on the morning she's not here, she's upstairs in our children's worship service called Alive, and she leads the songs up there. And on the mornings when she's down here, I lead upstairs. And our kids make it painfully aware to me that they know that she's gifted and I'm not in that area. And their effort is a little bit louder on those mornings. And I know that may seem a little mean, but personally, I kind of enjoy it, right? Because I know God hears them every time they worship, right? But I just feel like on those mornings, he hears them a little bit clearer, and it gives him a little bit more joy, right? And that makes me happy. But I am glad that we have people who are skilled musicians and have great singing voices and can make music and help lead worship because I possess zero of those skills, right? I'm, I'm appreciative of people who can write stories and paint pictures and paint something or, or illustrate something that shows God's great love and mercy because I possess zero of those skills. And with humbleness, we begin to appreciate the gifts of the people around us, right? Because if we lack that humbleness, 
we think, I'm the only one who's worthy of completing this task, whether I'm qualified to do it or not, right? A lack of humbleness stifles the skills and the passions of the people around us and how they can use those things to serve God. And if we live like that, people are never going to see God in us. They're never going to see God in the church, and we're not going to complete the mission that God is calling us to do. I believe that we are all called to use our skills and our passions to serve God, both in the church and in our communities. And so I'm going to do a shameless plug, all right? So just bear with me. I believe that all of us should be serving here at Parkview. And if you're not, that I would encourage you to do so, right? And if you're not sure how to get started and you want to, uh, at our Welcome Center, we have a card that you can fill out to say, I would like to serve, and we will find a ministry team that will uh, we'll get you in contact with a ministry team that will help use your, your skills and your passions, right? You can go on our website at parkviewfinley.org and go to the connecting card and click the um, uh, serving opportunities there. And even in your bulletin, there's a little perforated edge that says serving opportunities. Fill that out. Turn that in in the offering when you leave, and we will get you connected with people who can help you begin to use your skills and passions for God. And we understand that we're all created differently. We all have different skill sets, and so we have lots of different ways to serve. We have opportunities for people to use, uh, to serve behind the scenes or to use their hands and, or to lead up front or to teach Whatever it is, we want to find a way for you to serve God and the world around you. Along with serving, I think all Christians are called to be leaders. People that the world, when they see them, want to follow them. They want to come to you for guidance and advice and for help because they see something in you they're not seeing in other people. I think we need to begin to let God lead more in our homes, more than we let social media, and media lead our homes. In our jobs, if we are letting God lead us, then our coworkers will see that, and we need to begin to be leaders that those coworkers want to follow. We need to be a leader that people trust and want to follow. In our neighborhoods, we need to be an example of what it means to love our neighbors and to care for those around us. Not all of us are going to be called to go to the mission field, but we're all called to serve those around us. And you won't have to look very hard to find people that need somebody to step up and care for them, somebody that they're looking to have lead them or show God's love. But if we continue to act like the world and look like the world, lead like the world, we're never going to reach anybody for Jesus. We have to renew our minds and change the way we think and re-examine the way we do sacrifice to match what God is calling us to do. So Paul is telling us to live our lives with the right kind of sacrifice, to be humble and not entitled, to serve and not be served. He's telling us to live differently. And so he finishes Romans chapter 12 like this. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor, serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope patient in affliction, faithful in prayer, share with the Lord's people who are in need, practice hospitality, bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse, 
Rejoice with those who rejoice, mourn with those who mourn, live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of a low position. Do not be content. Oh, sorry, do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. God, or Paul is telling us to love sincerely. And this, to me, goes back to what he was talking about with mercy, right? God loves us unconditionally. He loves us when we don't deserve it. It's a gift to us. And because he's doing that for us, even though we don't deserve it, we need to love those around us, whether they deserve it or not. We need to love as best as we can. And hate what is evil. And that seems like a strong word for people who are to be loved. But if we give God our heart, our mind, our soul, and our strength, and we see things the way that he sees things, we're going to hate what God hates. And we're going to correct what needs to be corrected, but we're going to do it the way that God would be calling us to do it in a way that still shows that we love those. And we are to cling to what is good. We need to embrace the good we see, be the good the world needs, and spread the good news of Christ to the world. And the problem is, is we don't do these three things very well. Our love is very conditional. It's not always sincere. And it comes with limitations. We're too quick to speak about what we hate without explaining why we hate it and that we only hate it because we want what's best for them. We don't do that well. And instead of clinging to good, what God calls good, we cling to what makes us feel good. We cling to what the world is telling us is acceptable. And we need to change our focus to what God says is acceptable and good. Earlier, I spoke about the peaks and the valleys in God's good and perfect will. And Paul laid out this plan of how he sees it, that he puts his faith in the God. And I think he lays out the blueprint here in verses 11 through 18 about what we need to be practicing in our lives so that when we're going through those peaks and those valleys, we have the right focus on God. So, when was the last time you worked hard to keep your spiritual life strong? When was the last time you worked, uh, when, were the, when was the last time you were patient in affliction, faithful in prayer, expressed joy and hope in trials, helped those in need, served others, Use your skills for God. Bless those who hurt you. Practice being a good friend. Found harmony with somebody of a differing opinion. Help those less fortunate than you. Didn't spite someone who hurt you. Lived in peace with people you don't agree with. That list of questions is an indictment on me as it is anybody else. I can think of my life and the things that I've said and the things that I've done, and I can cringe and regret those things, because I haven't practiced those things very well sometimes. But that regret and that pain that I feel is not meant 
for me to stay there and live in that regret and just be who I've always been because I'll never change. Rather, I need to use that regret in a way that motivates me to be a better Christ follower, to give more of myself to God so that I can be a light to the world around me. Because if we give God our lives and we allow him to work through us, we will see a change in the world around us. As I was reading the end of Romans chapter 12, I was reminded of an experience that I had in high school. Every year our youth group would do a winter retreat, usually in January, January and February, and there was always snow on the ground, um, which was weird because we didn't always have snow in southern Indiana, but we always timed it somehow to have snow on the ground. And we would travel to a nearby church camp and, and spend the weekend there going through whatever we were going through and studying whatever we were studying. And, and at this particular year, as soon as we got our bags inside the door, we had some free time, and the girls said, hey, let's go outside, and we're going to play this game, right? I don't remember what the game is, but it was a game we played a lot. And so the guys, we got all excited, and then our job was to go outside and get ready and strategize, and the girls were going to come out later to play the game. And so we're, we're all huddled up. We're figuring out how we're going to defeat this girl, the girls in this game, right? And then they never came out, and they never played with us. And we thought, well, what's going on? So we make our way back to the cabin, and as we get back, we realize what their plan was all along. Out in the snow is all of our suitcases and our bags and our stuff. And unfortunately for me, I had to unzip my bag, and now my stuff is all out in the snow, right? So we get together, and we decide, how are we going to prank them back? Because they got us, and they got us good. We're going to get them. And there was a lot of debate, but the idea we came up to was, we're going to be nice, we are going to be the nicest group of guys that these girls have ever seen. We're going to be friendly. We're going to be helpful. We're going to do everything for them, right? So the next morning, we got up early. We helped the cooks make breakfast. We set the table, which never happened. And usually the girls, we always let the girls go first to the line, and we said, no, today you sit down at the table, and we're going to serve you. And all through the meal, if we asked if they needed seconds or if they wanted a refill. And guys, it was, it was glorious, they were the jump, they were so jumpy. They couldn't figure out what was going to happen. They were waiting for the other shoe to drop. They were so uncomfortable with us being so friendly to them after they had been mean to us. And when I read through Romans chapter 12 that's at the end here, that's what I was thinking is Paul is telling us to repay evil with good. And when we do so, it'll confuse the world because nobody does that, right? Nobody lives that way. And when we do that, it's gonna lead them to ask questions like, how are you so nice to that guy? He's always mean to you, right? Our boss never says anything nice to you, and why are you? Because that's who God has called me to be, right? I want to live differently than the world around me. And I think Jesus laid the foundation for this in Matthew chapter 5, verses 43 through 48. Have you heard what it was said? Have you, you have heard that it is said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may have that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good, and he sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that? Be perfect, therefore, as your Father in heaven is perfect. We need to renew our minds, change the way we view love, sacrifice, how we 
deal with our neighbors, we need to give God all of who we are so that we can be living sacrifices and make an impact on the world around us. So the challenge today is, how do you need to renew your mind? Do you need to renew your mind back to God? At one point in time, you gave him your life and you've made a commitment to him, but now you've noticed that your life is drifting away and you need to give more of you back to God. Do you need to renew your sacrifices and stop sacrificing your life and things and people in your life for success and view success in God's eyes and make the necessary sacrifices there? Do you need to renew the way that you see your neighbors? Or maybe you've never made a decision to follow God and today's the day that you need to make that step to renew your mind from where the world is leading you to where God wants to lead you. So during this next song, if you need to make that decision to follow Christ for the first time, or if you just need prayer, I ask that you come forward as we sing.